listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Hour two of Miller and Moulton on this Friday, the final one of February. Thanks so much for being with us, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Kevin Brockway covers the Gators. We'll bring him on in a little less than 40 minutes and talk about the state of the football program and the state of the men's basketball program. We know the state of the gymnastics and baseball programs, but, you know, we're trying to find out when the two programs that most fans care about, when they're going to actually start winning again. So Kevin Brockway to join us in 35 plus minutes about that. Um, Maybe the best poll question we've ever come up with. Just going to throw that out there and see whether or not you, Mark, and others agree. Well, it is National Tortilla Chip Day today. So we asked the question, what are you dipping your chips in? Salsa, queso, or guacamole? One of the tougher questions I've ever had to answer. It's the best damn one we've ever had. I mean, really. It's like the NFC in the mid-90s. Cowboys, Niners, or Packers. Honestly. This is tough. You know, Boston, Toronto, or Tampa Bay getting out of the division this year in the NHL. Honestly, this is tough. It is tough. You know, just quickly on Boston's, I hate to talk sports when we're in the middle of a solid tortilla chip discussion here. (laughs) But the pressure on the Bruins, they could set the record for points and wins and all of these great accolades from the regular season. Anybody who follows hockey knows it means nothing without a Stanley Cup, without a deep run into the playoffs. And they're in such a tough division. And the East is so stacked. There's no guarantees that they get out. And I just think the amount of pressure that the Bruins are going to play in this within this postseason benefits whoever gets out of the Lightning Leaf series. I applaud what they did yesterday because they took a look at their roster and said our best players are all old. So we might as well go all in. I mean, because when we have to retool this sucker, and it could be as soon as next year, but it certainly looks as if we're going to have to retool this sucker by 25. I I mean, they got this year and maybe next. That's probably their Stanley Cup championship winning window. You know, there's teams. the, The Lightning's window is more open than Boston's. And so they went all in yesterday. And they give up four draft picks. I mean, so when it's time to retool, they will have not had a first, a second, a third, and a fourth round pick in the two drafts leading up to their retool. And that will eventually hurt them. But they're like, you know what? We've been to three finals in the last 12 years. We've only won it once. We got to win one more. Before we tear this sucker down, we got to win one more cup. Yeah, I was, I was not, I mean, I wasn't like stunned or anything, but when I looked, I'm like, I'll be damned. The Bruins made a move yesterday. That's, that's a team that's not complacent with all the things that are going on. They still find holes. They still see opportunities to get, make their team better. That's a great general manager. And for as good, Mark, if not very good, that Boston has been over the last 50 years, they've skated with Lord Stanley once since 72 and do you know how good the boston bruins have been over the last 50 years they've been outstanding they're good 
every year. They won it in 2011. They lost it in six in 2013, and they lost it in seven to St. Louis in 2019. So they've been to the finals three times last decade, and they're looking at the star players who are all in their mid-30s, and they're like, well, might as well go all in. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Mark, where did they, the biggest chip in the bowl, where did they dip it? Did they dip it in queso, salsa, or guac? Ooh, yesterday's move, I think, is definitely, it's more than salsa. Because salsa, I mean, if you think about it, and while, while we all love it, it's what they bring to the table at most restaurants. You, the salsa's free. Okay. So yesterday was definitely some queso or some guac they added to that team. Now, I'm a queso guy, which you know, one could guess. I mean, first off, I mean, guac, for A, it's green. Okay, so that right there, I think it's a vegetable. So I'm obviously not interested. Is that the, do you, I mean, is a color thing just bad? Is like if the fact that it's green, did, did it already, before you ever tasted it, have a bad vibe to it? Totally. Like, I'm like, well, this is probably healthy, and it probably doesn't taste good. Why would I be interested in this? I mean, I eat peas, I eat lima beans, but, you know, I hate asparagus. I had broccoli. You know, there's only one kind of lettuce I like. That's iceberg. I, I mean, no. Right, the kind with no nutritional value whatsoever. Exactly. <laughs> so you, I'm sure it's a color thing. I looked at guac and I go, I have no interest in this whatsoever. And I don't like it, as it turns out. Tried it once and went, no, nah, I'm good. Give me the stuff that clogs the artery. That, that's I would prefer this right here. So queso, guac, or salsa? What are you right. dipping your tortilla chips in? Man, might be the best question we've ever asked. Honestly. I hope you left that up through the weekend, too. I hope that's not a 24-hour thing. Probably just 24 that... hours. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, man. I'll be thinking about this all weekend. Honestly, I, it's, a, it's a great question. Have you heard about this? Felipe, by the way, behind the scenes, a little behind the curtain. Felipe just makes a pronouncement a couple commercial breaks ago. Out of nowhere, it's quiet. And he bellows, I am excited about baseball. Yeah. Mark, Mark and I nearly like fell out of our chairs. So we drilled down a little bit and found out what he was excited about. Have you heard about this Noah song story? He's 25. He's in the Navy. Stationed in Jacksonville, as it turns out. He had requested a few years ago. He was a fourth-round pick of the Red Sox through in the mid-'90s. And uh, he had requested to be put on you know, a certain, I don't know, restricted status, which would have allowed him to try to play professional baseball. And the Navy said, no, no, you're, you're going to stay in the Navy. Oh, okay. Well, three years later, the Navy said, well, uh, okay. I mean, if you want, I, I guess you can go play baseball. Well, by then he's 25, Mark. He hasn't played in three plus years. And so he's, the Red Sox relinquished his rights. They said, nah. Besides, nobody's going to claim him in the Rule 5 draft. It costs $100,000, and to keep him, you have to keep him on your Major League roster for the entire season. Nobody's going to do that. The guy hasn't pitched this decade, for goodness sakes. We don't even know if he's any good anymore. 
Yeah, the Phillies paid the hundred grand and picked him up. So here, this twenty-five-year-old. What is he? He's um, Lieutenant Junior Grade Noah Song. Is in Phillies camp. And, you know, the Phillies got a really good veteran team. They lost in the World Series. And who's the star of the camp right now? This kid who hasn't thrown a baseball in three years. Got Schwarber and all those hit Riamuto. Harper's going to show up in camp in a couple days. He can't play with the elbow injury. But they're all standing around watching this kid throw BP. You got to figure his nickname's Navy, right? I don't know. They might just call him Lieutenant. (laughs) That's true. They might just call him Lieutenant. So, Dombrowski, hundred grand, Dombrowski had to write a check for, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, it, it's a, you know, it's a risk, and you know, the odds are against him and all that." But last time I saw him pitch, he threw ninety five. I don't know what to tell you. Fascinating story to see if he yeah. can. They got to keep him on the roster the whole year, and if they don't, then you know, other people can claim him and the and the whole deal. So. But we talk about the meaning of spring training games and how they're virtually meaningless now. I mean, the 26-man roster, at least 24 spots for every team are seemingly already written in ink. And not seemingly. They're set. They're, they're really set. Set by contracts. So, so Navy Lieutenant Noah Song. And he's still has, in the Navy? Uh, yes, he, he's... Got it. They they changed his status. Okay, so he okay. could if he were to make the team, he could play. Or I, I. Okay, he was at the Naval Air Station in Jacksonville as a member of the Fleet Replacement Squadron for P eight Poseidon aircraft. All right, and um, he had no idea. By the way, he had been claimed by the Phillies. Like his high school coach sent him a text and said, "Hey, did you see who got picked up in the Rule Five draft?" And he responded back, no, who? And the coach said, you. So, yeah, they changed his status. I can't find out uh, exactly, you know, what he now is. His request to be transferred to the selective reserves, would it be granted? And it finally was. But you figure, you know, it's 25. He hasn't pitched since 2019. I mean, you know, who the hell's going to claim him? So he's got five weeks to make up for three and a half years. I wonder who he was throwing to in the Navy. Who's the catcher? That's what I want to know. <laughs> or is he just throwing like 40 balls into the Atlantic? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I see those jets fly over, you know, where our condo is stationed. They literally, they fly right over us very low. I can like read the numbers on the, on the plane. That's how low they are. So, but Noah's song, you know, if you pay attention to anything that happens in spring training, the Phillies Noah song, 25 years old, trying to make the big club from the Navy. And he hasn't pitched in three plus years. What the heck? 
Text line is open at 21,000. People still chiming in on whether or not wings can be too big. People <laughs> commenting on yesterday really? was National Chili Day and National Toast Day, and I said chili would blow it out. Someone very matter-of-factly said, I think toast would have given it a lot more fight than you think. I know people who say buttered toast is their favorite food. And then, David, you know, we bought up the Bruins and one more cup. There you go. And a Leafs fan just chimed in and said, forget about one more cup. I just want my Maple Leafs to win a single cup. That's right. Yep. And then someone just chimed in with their dip sauce, creamy jalapeno ranch. It's the effing bomb. Oh. It's ranch dressing. It's a salad dressing. It's not a dip for tortilla chips. All right, let's let's just get this straight. It's queso, it's salsa, it's guac, Okay. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 21 minutes past the hour, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Kevin Brockway in less than 20 minutes. Talk about the interesting set of circumstances going on in Gainesville with the Gators football and men's basketball programs. Henry Yoho at the top of the hour. We'll talk a little lightning a week before the NHL trading deadline. See, this is, for the two of us, probably a little bit more me even than you, Mark, but this is actually a great time of the sports year. I know many of you are starting to go through football withdrawal. We're a week away from the NHL trade deadline. The season's got about 25 to 30% left in it. We're past the NBA All-Star break and trading deadline in which now we're down to about 22 games in which now they're actually going to play somewhat hard and somewhat often. I mean, this is actually the point of the regular season where if you're going to tune in, now's the time to do it. Hope springs eternal in baseball and the NFL business year has essentially already started, even though the new year doesn't kick in until March 15th, because, well, guys are already getting cut. And tags will start being assigned. I don't know. Well, I mean, it can happen now. March 7th, it can. But it has most, to happen by March 7th. But next week, you'll start seeing tags being made. And there's already one high-profile quarterback who's available, and there could be three or four. I mean, Tannehill, apparently the Titans are really torn. Hey, he's the starting quarterback in the league. And as Pat's talked about, he's got 12 to 16 teams who have quarterback issues. Ryan Tannehill would answer a question for about eight to 10 teams in the league. There's the Lamar thing in which there's now thought that he's going to get traded which I find amazing. But apparently Atlanta, Mark, has sent out the smoke signals and said, hey, if you put that exclusive tag on him, all right, we'll give you two first-round picks for him. I mean, just so you know. And, and apparently they're prepared to pay him. That in and of itself is, to me, the most fascinating part because it looks as if there are 31 owners who hate the Cleveland Browns for the Deshaun Watson contract. The guaranteed money has the league quite honked off. 
And Lamar will not do a deal unless it's greater than what Deshaun got. I mean, by all Deshaun, indications are he wants more money and he wants it all guaranteed. Deshaun got five for 230. It kicks in beginning this year. That's 46 per. All of it guaranteed. Most NFL contracts are no more than 70% guaranteed. Never mind the fact that 46 per makes him top five at the position. Lamar reportedly, and you got to figure this information's coming from the Ravens. Lamar reportedly has given the Ravens four contract offers, none of them less than five for 230. So that's the canyon because apparently the Ravens offered him five for 250 but they were only willing to guarantee like 130 to 150 of it. And Lamar goes, yeah, I'm not interested. And see, Mark, this is the interesting part to me. You're Atlanta. I'm the Ravens. We agree on the compensation, two ones and whatever. I mean, in theory, he's not going to accept less from you than he was asking to me, right? Right. So are you, you know, I mean, Lamar is so far indicated that, hey, don't think I'd settle for like 180 or 200 of it guaranteed. No, no, no. I want every flip and dime. Arthur Blank's 80. And they got a ton of money. They want a Super Bowl. They want to win. He desperately wants to win. You know, we've talked about this with other teams and other owners, and you start to have to look at Arthur Blank, 80-year-old man who watched a Super Bowl slip away from him, and he desperately wants to get back to that game. And let's be honest, whether you hate the deal if they made it, let's just say you don't like it. You don't like the contract that Atlanta would pay. You don't like the two first-round picks or more, whatever. But if you put Lamar Jackson on Atlanta, who's the favorite in the NFC South next year? Atlanta. Probably the Falcons. (laughs) Since apparently Tampa's going with Kyle Trask, Carolina doesn't have anybody. And the Saints right now look as if they're going to rewind it with Andy Dalton. This isn't the 2013 Bengals, is it? No, it's not. (laughs) Okay. If it were the 20 if this was 2013 I'd give the Saints a half a shot in that division. Right now I don't give them any. And Alvin Kamara might not be available anytime soon also. I don't know if you've seen the video that's emerged from Vegas. So, but then again it's NFL justice, who the heck knows. I mean, if he's an owner, he probably wouldn't miss any time at all. But he's a player, so he's probably in deep trouble. Back to Lamar. But now if you're the Ravens, I mean, team calls you up, says they'll give you two first-round picks. Maybe they go bat-blank crazy. They say we'll give you two firsts and two seconds or two firsts and a second. Hell, we'll give you three firsts. Great. Now who the your quarterback? Your team's ready to win. You think you're really good. When he's healthy, you are really good. Honestly, I could do some trading if I were the Ravens. I I mean, if you're going to deal Lamar, I could sign Carr. I could be trading for Mike Evans. I mean, I could go bat blank crazy if I were the Ravens right now. 
So that's what you would do. You would be like, here, have them. Henny Youngman, take my wife, please. I'm convinced the Ravens have no desire to pay him that much guaranteed money. And you're correct. So sign him to the tag. Take your two firsts. Okay. And let this thing go. Is that enough for you? I'm being serious. If you're the Ravens. No, I'd want more. I I would. he He turns 26 this season. 26. I mean, that's the funny thing. If you sign Lamar to a five-year contract, he's 30 turning 31 the next time he gets another. I mean, if Lamar Jackson stays healthy, isn't he going to make half a billion? I digress. Miller and Moulton, time now for our Clutch Vodka Play of the Day. Felipe, we're up against it. What do you got for us? To the Amway Center in Orlando we go. Tie game, four seconds left. Magic hosting the Pistons. Here's the call. Fultz to trigger. Into Bancaro. Here goes Paolo. Gets to the free throw line. Left-handed runner up. And a putback is good. A putback is good. Officials are looking around. It's Wendell Carter Jr. Ball game. Book it. Ball game. Book it. That's our Clutch Vodka play of the day. That's Clutch with a K. Look for them wherever you're buying your vodka. Look for them online at clutchspirits.com and hashtag any of your drinks with the hashtag Clutch Spirits. That's Miller and Moulton's Orlando Magic. That's right. We were the first ones to notice, and we're even including people in Orlando. We were the first ones to notice that they actually are playing pretty well. Playing hard, but they've still got to get through. they got to get past four teams to make the playoffs. They're four games back. It's probably too tall of a task for them to reach the postseason. I think they have no shot because, unfortunately, Mark, the 9 and 10 teams in the East have gotten their act together. Washington and Toronto are 9-10. They're both actually playing really well. I think the Raptors have won like 6 of 7. So I think Orlando can get to 11. I don't think they can get into the playing game. But they are a team that is on the rise. You had one more. Somehow they get lucky, get up there in the lottery, win the lottery, and get what's the what's the big guy's name there? The Victor the Wenbin, freak Wembenyama. Yeah, I mean that's not going to happen from the nine or ten spot more than likely. But you mean the guy LeBron called an alien? <laughs> Kevin Brockway, definitely not an alien. He talks Gators with us next on Miller and Moulton right here on the Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Where we ask the hard-hitting questions every day. Like today, National Tortilla Chip Day. So our poll question is, what's the best thing to have with your chips? Salsa, queso, guacamole. Right now, queso, solidly in front, has the early lead. Go to that, Mark Miller, the David Moulton, FL Sports Network on Twitter or floridasportsnetwork.com and vote. It's one of those questions you got to ask every guest who comes on, like Kevin Brockway. He covers the Gators, Gainesville Sun, Gannett Papers throughout the state. All right, Kevin, we'll get to the Gators in a moment. But first, what are you putting on your tortilla chip? Uh, guacamole. Let's see. 
There you go. That's the choice right there. That's something David can't handle. You've known him a long time, Kevin. It's green. It makes him nervous. It might be healthy in his eyes, so he stays away. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a guac guy. I mean, queso's pretty good, too, but uh, guac uh, guac rules out. All right. The Gators. They're uh, getting some coaches leaving. If you're a Gator fan, should you be happy that Napier's put together a good staff? Should you be concerned that they're losing all these coaches? What is, what's going on in Gainesville with the Florida football staff? Well, I think he had a plan. Um, I think he knew about some of these things, but particularly the defensive coordinator, because he's got someone in place that, that's going to replace him fairly soon, Austin Armstrong. I would be a little concerned because it's, the spring practice starts next week. So you would hope that he could find uh, a couple of uh, replacements for Kerry Colbert uh, uh, and William uh, Piegler quickly. Um, I'll be interested to see if they repurpose Piegler's position because of the fact that um, special teams is a big issue and they had a special teams analyst and not a special teams coach. So maybe that would be a direction that uh, he would go in uh, for Piegler's position. But uh, Terry Colbert's uh, actually uh, a very well-respected coach and uh, uh, certainly did a great job at USC, and uh, this is a a pro opportunity for him. Some people are concerned about the timing, but really if you look at all these uh, positions, it's because of uh, NFL coaching changes in Arizona and in Denver. Um, So they don't have a timetable as to uh, when to fill their staff. And I also think, too, the NFL um, right now, I think coaching in the NFL is an easier job. You're not dealing with recruiting in NIL and a lot of the other ancillary things right now that you have to deal with as a college coach. Um, and that certainly is, is very stressful because the landscape is changing. He's Kevin Brockway. He covers the Gators for the Gainesville Sun and Gannett Papers throughout the state of Florida. Follow Kevin on Twitter, Kevin Brockway G1. Kevin Brockway G1. Kevin, do you think that's a change from three to five years ago when, remember, there were a lot of NFL guys who in the late 20-teens were going to college because it was a better life. And now because of... You know, maybe it's NIL, maybe it's just, you know, recruiting is 24-7, 365 because of it, that maybe now they're they're fleeing back to Sundays. I mean, Kevin, I remember asking you questions about all the coaches who were leaving the NFL to go to college. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Well, because college, I think you, you get more money as an assistant. Um, you know, it, it seems like, you know, there are bigger contracts for some of these assistant coaches just because they're there's really a craving for a big, big time coordinator uh, or position coach, but quality of life right now, I would have to give it to the NFL. Like I said, because of the fact that uh, I think the uh, demands of the college uh, assistance jobs with recruiting with NIL, um, it's it's a lot. Um, it, re- it really has become a lot, and it really has become a twenty four seven. And I think there really is a lot of stress right now on um, college coaches and college assistant coaches dealing with a new landscape and dealing with a landscape that uh, I think is, is evolving and changing and uh, where, where they don't really know, um, you know, uh, what, uh, what, what, what the playing field is and how level the playing field is. Kevin, help me out. When you talk about the coaches not liking NIL, I get it from the head coaching standpoint, but are assistants coaches being pressed with NIL deals from players? Is What is it about the NIL that's having the assistant coaches? I get the portal. I, I get a lot of those things, but where is NIL affecting assistant coaches? Well, you know, the assistants are on the front lines in recruiting. A lot of times the assistants are the ones that are going out there and trying to uh, 
you know, uh, I, you know, go and visit the recruits and stuff. And the head coach is more of the hammer. You know, he's the guy that uh, finishes the deal off. So I think there's a lot of stress from assistant coaches because it's generally the head coach that says, hey, you know, as the assistants, you guys go out and get the players. Um, so I, I think there's that aspect of it. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of frustration, too, because you think that uh, you've developed a relationship and you think you've, you've closed a deal on a player. And then something comes up at the last minute, you know, and most of that time it's because the collective offers more money. <laughs> so, um, so I'm sure that that really uh, maybe gets under an assistant coach's skin that's really worked hard to recruit a player. Kevin, is the Gators offense in, I don't want to say turmoil, but, um, well, rough shape. I mean, they lost a bunch of offensive linemen. They lost wide receivers in the portal. Uh, the quarterback room is either inexperienced or completely new. They just lost their wide receiver coach and their tight end coach a week before spring ball. I mean, I like their running back depth chart, but I have to admit, Kevin, right now, otherwise on offense, I don't know if I like anything else about the Gators. Yeah, um, the, you know, when, when we last spoke to Billy Napier, he was hiring Graham Mertz. Um, David, you probably know from uh, – your Big Ten background or, you know, covering games throughout the country that uh, Graham Mertz is a guy that uh, certainly has had some ups and downs. And he had that he had that great debut against Illinois where he was 20-21 and people thought that uh, he was going to be kind of the next big thing. And then he had a very inconsistent career. And last year, 19 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, but he was sacked 23 times last year, um, which, uh, you know, certainly uh, – you know, and, and most of the writers I talked to up in the Wisconsin area said if, if you give him time, he's not bad. Um, but he's not going to bring back any memories of Anthony Richardson. He's not the most elusive guy. Um, but um, and and we'll see about Jack Miller too. Jack will compete, uh, obviously. Uh, you know, in the Las Vegas Bowl, losing Osiris Torrance, um, the offensive line was not what it was during the course of the season. I like some of the moves they've made on the offensive line. They're really big there right now. And uh, Damian George, the transfer that they brought in from uh, Alabama, um, Keontae Goodwin, uh, another tackle from Kentucky, who had some weight issues, but um, they're working on that. And probably the best of the bunch is going to be kidding Micah Mazuka, a right guard who's going to fill in for uh, Torrance, and is, is a guy that's a real – um, has a real good track record as a run blocker. I think Pro Football Focus had him as the fourth best run blocker in the country. So I think they've addressed the offensive line pretty well, even with the defections. But uh, I do think that uh, certainly quarterback and wide receiver, you got Ricky Pearsall back, you've got Xavier Henderson back, um, and they have some young guys that are going to get an opportunity. They have three freshmen. I think that they're really high on that have enrolled early. Andy Jean. Uh, Eugene Wilson and Aiden Mizell are three guys in state that, uh, you know, maybe could see the field as true freshmen. We'll see. Mark, one thing to keep an eye on with uh, the Wisconsin quarterback, he took 90% of his snaps under center in Wisconsin. Napier's offense has the quarterback and the shotgun the overwhelming part of the time. That will be an interesting transition for him, just going from taking snaps under center to operating out of the shotgun. Something to keep an eye on. And I think that's uh, obviously that's one part of it. The other part, I think just giving him a better offensive line is going to certainly help that process get along. But let's switch gears a little bit, Kevin, from football to basketball. The, they lost to Kentucky the other night. The basketball program in a similar spot right now. They're not going to make the tournament. What went wrong this year? 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, people get like to the Colin Castleton injury last week um, because, you know, they were 14 and 12 and, and the schedule would have lightened up and they could have made a run. Um, I think it's a little deeper than that. I think it was a, a first year coach, a, a very hard SEC uh, for him to navigate a tough non conference schedule that didn't do any favors for their confidence. Um, I, I think uh, all of it contributed. You know, they, they played pretty well in January. Um, and uh, they were trying to uh, build around defense. And Castleton, who, who was the best shot blocker in the SEC, uh, the big problem is um, the physicality. And um, it, it's it, it was very you know it, it got to the point at the end of the year where they were playing four guards because they were the four four players. And, and Riley Kugel, a freshman kid from Dr. Phillips in Orlando, um, is going to be a really nice piece to uh, to build around. And uh, he had 24 against Kentucky. But um, when you play four guards in the center in the SEC and some of these guys are playing more traditional front lines, you're going to get killed on the boards. And, uh, I mean, last night, I think it was uh, 15-0 second chance points or Wednesday night, excuse me, against Kentucky. Um, and uh, I think that uh, I think it's something they've got to address. They've got to get uh, better big guys uh, around Castleton. They've got to get better size. Um, and uh, and just better better toughness in that area. And if they don't, then uh, I think this program is going to be kind of stuck in mediocrity. Well, aren't they there? I mean, I know Billy made the Elite Eight in 2013. He left shortly thereafter. I, they've made the second week of the tournament once since he left, right, when they went to the Elite Eight? What was it, six Mike years White ago? I mean, this, yeah. this, am I wrong with that? No, you said that's yeah, Mike, Mike, Mike White's second year. Yeah, Mike White's second year in 2017. They made that was a Chris Chioza team. They made the Elite Eight. Yeah. And so, if you think about it, you know, we're going on about 10 years here where they've made the second week of the tournament once. I mean, this was one of the five best programs in the country for 12 plus years here. I mean, Kevin, are we just going to look back at that as you know, like the Spurrier years? I mean, you know, where's the Urban Meyer run, if you know what I mean? Where's the, you know, <laughs> when's Florida going to be great again? Yeah, you know, I think that um, it, it speaks to the fact of the job that Billy Donovan did, the elite coach, right, during that tenure. Um, you know, and they made the Final Four in 2014. Obviously, that was uh, Billy's last great team. Um, and, you know, now he's in the NBA with the Chicago Bulls, and they, they tried Mike White, who um, got him in the tournament but couldn't really get him very far, and now they're trying Todd Golden, um, who uh, looks like, you know, might not even make the NIT in his first season unless they – they get on a roll here late in the season, so um, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. There's a lot of unrest in Gainesville. I mean, there's no no SEC focus championship in basketball since 2014. No SEC championship in football since 2008. So um, you know, in the major revenue sports, um, you, you've been going on kind of a, a long drought here, and uh, I, I think uh, I think there's uh, you know to use the Ron Zick term, some noise in the system up in Gainesville and. They're wondering even a little bit about Scott Strickland and, and where the leadership is. Well, the coaches cost a lot more to get rid of than the AD, and at some point somebody will take the fall. They always do. Kevin, uh, enjoy spring ball beginning next week. Hopefully we can talk maybe uh, midway through it. Yes, yes, it'll be fun. Thank you, guys. Kevin Brockway covers the Gators for the Gainesville Sun and Gannett Papers throughout the state of Florida. Follow Kevin on Twitter, Kevin Brockway. G1, Kevin Brockway, G1. Doesn't paint the rosiest pitcher. Well, Kevin's a straight shooter. 
He's not going to, you know, pump air into the system just to pump him up. Back-to-back six and seven seasons in football. Okay. Mike White was basically make the NCAA tournament, win first round or lose first round kind of a guy. You know, they're going to be 500 basically first year after Mike White. I mean, I will say this, Mark, the gymnastics program selling out, selling out. I mean, you know, men's basketball attendance has taken a hit. But the gymnastics team's putting about 10,000 in that place. Thank goodness for that. And baseball's right, just started up too. So there's another sport that they're terrific at. But for the ones that most of their fan base care about, right? in fact, for the one most of their fan base cares about, the good news you should be able to take from that is it sounds like the offensive line's going to be improved. And I'm not joking. Well, hey, got to start somewhere. And if you have a quarterback that can't move, let's hope you have a good offensive line. So they're deep at running back. Maybe the line is better. And then, okay, we'll start to see if some of the Napier recruits at wide receiver can pay dividends early. I mean, that's, I think that's if you're a Gators fan, what you're going to have to look for in 2023. Because from a one loss standpoint, it, you know, it's, it ain't going to happen before 2024. You pointed it out yesterday the schedule that they play Georgia and Tennessee, both going to be top 10 teams preseason. They open at Utah. They cross over with LSU. That doesn't include at Kentucky, at South Carolina. I mean, Georgia, LSU, Tennessee, all top 10, Utah top 15. And then some tricky road games. I mean, heck, even, you know, some of their home games. I mean, you know, like Arkansas is not going to be, you know, that's not a walk in the park. I mean, you'll be a slight favorite, but that's not a guaranteed win. So five games before October, if you're a Gators fan right now, would you take three and two? I would. I would. Give me three and two heading October. Man. The rebuild is not happening overnight, and Gator fan right now listening knows you're probably right and doesn't want to hear it. No. Kirby won the SEC in his second year. Nick played for the SEC in his second year. Urban won the national title in his second year. That's what Napier's up against. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network.